Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Life Foursquare. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith. Have you struggled to gain understanding about biblical topics not often taught about from the pulpit? We may not have all the answers, but we are committed to the ongoing conversations as we search God's Word together. Mark and Lynn Cooper, local pastors, are your hosts. This show is our attempt at answering questions in greater depth than a sermon allows. We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at reallife at visitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest. This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church. It's produced by our media team here at Life Foursquare. Welcome. We're glad you're here with us. We are uh, talking again on the topic of racism. I'm Pastor Mark, and I've got a couple special guests. My wife is not joining us today, um, but I have with me today Jared Gregory, uh, Pastor David Ndembe, and Pastor Jameson Wheeler, and we are going to be discussing um, the topic of racism. Now, last time we talked, Jared and I kind of ended on this note of how do, how do we initiate the conversation? How do we how do we deal with racism in the church? How do we deal with equality in the church? Um, sometimes our perspective is, I don't know what to say, so I just don't say anything at all. And I'm wanting to just initiate maybe some different perspectives, talk about some different perspectives as we dig a little further into the discussion. So why don't we do this? Why don't we start with Jared? And Jared, you just tell us a little bit of your background. Obviously, you can hear us, but you can't necessarily see us. And so, Jared, fill us in on who you are. Yeah, so I'm Jared. I grew up here in Decatur, Illinois. I grew up in a biracial household. My dad's black and my mom is white, so that was very interesting growing up, having that contrast of culture even in our own home. Um, I grew up with two siblings who are both mixed as well. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that I'm a white passing individual, which means I look white and they're not. Um, so that's always been very interesting as well growing up. And then I moved to Los Angeles and had that kind of cultural context for a few years as well too, being immersed in a different culture. All right, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I grew up, uh, kind of a little bit everywhere. Um, uh, I'm a missionary kid and so my parents, uh, have been missionaries and still are missionaries for a pretty long time, over 40 years. And so I got to grow up in different cultures. You know, my parents, mom and dad are both from Africa, uh, from uh, the great country of the Congo, right in West Africa. And so it was always interesting for me because we grew up, you know, as missionaries. And if you know, most missionaries don't look like me. Uh, most missionaries that we know are typically um, from the West. And so it was, we were always like the, uh, the odd one out wherever we were at as missionaries. And so, um, you know, I, I, I went to school in uh, Africa a little bit. I went to school in Europe. I also went to school in the U.S. And so I got a little bit of different experiences about, you know, culture. So that's a bit about my background. So Excellent. And then, Jameson, fill us in a little bit. I know a lot of people know you, and um, but tell us a little bit about who you are. First of all, I didn't know a lot of people know me. They are, uh, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up right here in Decatur. Um I'm black, black, so my parents are black. Both of my parents are black. 
as you could probably tell, I don't have the proper way to say things, but um, I grew up in predominantly inner city in Decatur, so my cultural view growing up was pretty narrow, if I could just be honest. It was pretty narrow. All I knew was black people and what, um, because my parents are older for to be having a child my age. Like my mom was, I think she was like right at 30 when I was born and then my dad was probably 60 when I was born. I'm joking, not that old, but um, their view of racism kind of molded mine up until about high school when I started seeing things a bit differently for myself, so. Gotcha. And like Jameson put it, I'm Pastor Mark, I'm white, I'm from the Midwest, I'm white, white. Both my parents <laughs> are white. And I would say the same thing. I'd echo exactly what you said. My, uh, at an early age or a young age, my interaction across cultures was very limited. And so I saw what I saw. You know, if, if everybody you bump into is like you, then you don't get a lot of cross-pollination. You don't get a lot of engagement and diversity. And so none of those things are bad. That's not bad. That's the way it is. That's okay. But when we think about, especially as we think about the commission of Christ and the, 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 the call to go, we ought to expect that we're going to engage people that are different than us, that have different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, that have different expectations even of life. Um, and that is not a bad thing, but our effectiveness at how we communicate Jesus clearly can be challenged by that. If we we don't look at it and expect to grow through those interactions. And so a lot of what I wanted to talk about today was simply, what's your experience? You know, like what, what have you experienced um, as far as racism? And that can be, you can have positive experiences and negative experiences. You can see systems or places or families that work in such a great uh, accepting way and actually celebrate differences. Then you can have the, the alternate view of that. You can have interactions and experiences that are very, very negative. And so I thought maybe we would just start talking about what have been some of the interactions, experiences that you've had in the church, in the community, and then how do we, how do we change those things? How do we make sure that those things are first and foremost reflecting Christ, but then also becoming very positive things within our communities. So does anyone want to start out with that? Just sharing some of the experiences that you've had. Yeah, I'll start out. Um, it's very interesting, my context, because like I said, I look very white. So I don't necessarily believe that I've been targeted with racism, but it's interesting to see with how I grew up with two parents that were very different um, in skin color, like even going out to dinner and like a waiter and waitress be like, are you two together and him separate? Like, like just small microaggressions, um, especially even in the church growing up. I remember going to church in the Midwest. My dad was often the only black person in the room in predominantly white churches. And so having that kind of as a context was very interesting and informed my view of racism um, because I only saw racism as people against my dad, not necessarily people against the culture of black people in general. Good. That I mean, that's good insight for us. It's. I think what I'm hearing you say is, is a lot of times we bump up against things that aren't necessarily intentional, but they're accepted 
behaviors or underlying just this is the way I deal with I don't even think about what I say to some people I just we're so close we just interact and and sometimes when I become uncomfortable then the the formalities are gone and the 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 uncomfort like rises to the surface and it becomes something that is very evident to other people but not so clear to me anybody else want to jump in there yeah, sure. I think I've kind of had both experiences. I've had great experiences and uh, not so great experiences. I, I remember, I think I was 11 years old, you know, I, I shared a story once just to my kids to um, give them perspective. But I said, like, I grew up as a missionary kid. And so, you know, in most mission fields we were at, we were the only black family there. And and so um, one time I was playing in the playground with um, one of my friends there and uh, he was white and um as we were playing, the dad came out really aggressively and called him to come home. And what went to my mind right away was I did something wrong, right? His dad was aggressive in trying to get his kid to get back into the house. And and I was thinking, man, what did I do wrong? And so he kind of asked me to leave, but he kind of like he was joking. And so I kind of laughed it out as he was trying to play with me. And the next thing I know is he sent his, he sick his German dog, German shepherd, on me, and here comes this dog chasing me. I started running, it bit me, cut me. Um, I had to have stitches in my arm. And, you know, my parents came in and they never really told me how they dealt with it. All I know is I went to the hospital, yeah, I got taken care of, and um, my, my parents went and dealt with that person and talked with him. It wasn't until years later that um, I kind of started asking questions. I began to put two together. It's like, Mom, whatever happened that day? Like, what? Well, why did this man, you know, not want me to play with this kid? And and it just almost like it clicked. And I said, was it because I was black? And my mom shut me up right there and said to me, I never, ever, ever want you to look at people and say, this is who they are. That was a person that had a problem. And that's why they responded the way they responded. And so for me, um, right in that moment, it made me understand that, you know, I think racism is rooted in misinformation, you know, and, and because the story ends really well, because at the end of the day, later on, my parents befriended this person. Actually, we became family friends. As a matter of fact, when I moved to Germany, I stayed with them for a whole summer. You know, um, and and so God kind of healed that relationship. But, you know, it took him um, getting to know us and us getting to know him. And so a lot of the times, you know, you find that people who are uh, who kind of do racist things or whether it's out of ignorance or just this is how I am. When they have a bit more information about, you know, when they get to know you a little bit, it changes a lot of that is what I've, is what I've seen. So I guess that'll be the positive side is that I've seen um, people that may have, you know, been a bit more prejudiced um, as we get to know each other. They, they see it very differently. It changes their, it changes their perspe- perception of whatever they felt like, you know. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Jameson, you want to add anything there? Or? Uh, sure. So I didn't notice um, a lot of racism until I was probably in middle school, uh, especially within the church. I didn't notice it at all until I was in middle school where I watched um, my spiritual father. He was um, co-leading a particular pastoral group within the city and 
we noticed how it worked was it's like the the president would serve, you know, in this ministerial alliance, they would serve for, you know, a couple of years. And then the person who was vice president would step up and serve for a couple of years. And it just kind of rotated like that. And what ended up happening in this group is while my spiritual father, who's black, was serving in this pastoral leadership group as the vice president, they extended the term of the president for an extra two years. And then when, when my spiritual father backed out of the vice president role, then that very year they switched presidents. Yeah. And um, he grew up, my spiritual father grew up in the South. And so some stuff he saw, as well as like my mom, some stuff that they saw that was just flat out racism. And as a child, I was just like, maybe they just wanted something different. But his perception was, and that's, it, I find it amazing now because as a kid, you know, he would always pull me to the side and have these type of conversations with me. It's like sometimes you just have to move on from a place to allow people to do what they want to do. Um, so you don't hold up what they're doing because you can see this. Um, I like the way Pastor David put it, this prejudice that's being acted out. And so sometimes you just have to back up and let people think the way they think until God can open up a door for reconciliation. Mm -hmm. But for myself personally, um, my mom always taught me racism. Like I'm not talking bad about my mom, but I found out that she was like the first generation of an integrated school in Decatur, Illinois. Mm. So she was a part of the first bus of black kids coming into a school that was all white. And she watched her brothers get chased and rocks being thrown at them. And she watched when she got off the bus, white kids would run away from them like they were animals or something. And so her perception then, she she passed it on to me, even though that wasn't being... I didn't see that stuff happening, right. but the way that my um, my mother and her brothers, the way that they taught me is you respect all people, but just know white folks are racist is how they taught me. And so when, of course, when I show up with a white woman and say, this is going to be my wife, they all afraid for me. And I'm like, what in the world is wrong with y'all? I just see this beautiful woman that's getting ready to have my baby soon. <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> So I just see this beautiful woman, but they're seeing like, wait, she's white. So her family has got to be racist. And believe it or not, I might get in some trouble for this later, but some of her family members are very racist. Uh, yeah, so. You know, we my, my we have family in the South as well, and it's not, it's not a regional thing. Listen, I, I believe that racism isn't, it, it is, it, it's not a solely American issue. It's. It's an issue throughout the world, and and it's an issue of sin that I believe really is found, the foundation of it is found in this um, self-centered theology. It's a, self it's a way of seeing God through me, through my lens. God is like me. Um, yeah, and, if, and, and I get it. You know, you... you you have seen pictures of Jesus. You've seen um, the nativity <laughs> sets, and listen, Jesus was Semitic. He wasn't. He was not. White. He wasn't a white guy, <laughs> right? By his very uh, nationality, by his genetic makeup, he was 
Semitic. You go to Israel right now, there's three million Jews in Israel, a million of them are black. And and so, and, and I'll tell you, not many of them are what you would consider, what I would consider Caucasian. You do have Jews throughout Poland, you have Jews, there's, there's the Jewish nation is spread out through the world. And so I think that's beautiful. I think that's awesome. But I also think that this idea of racism is a, is a global issue and it's rooted in sin. It's rooted in um, some aspects of how I see God. Jared, did you want to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, I liked how Jameson pointed out that he was taught about how racism is acted out. And so it's important to see that racism is passed on generationally, but so is the fear of racism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. If you if you look at racism as a systemic problem, you're going to find it in white communities. You're going to find it in black communities. You're going to find it in Hispanic communities. And and so I know, and I, I know white people who have racist tendencies. I know black people who have racist tendencies. I know people who've been hurt on both sides of that through racism. And I know families that have been devastated by it. So the issue isn't who's at fault, right? And I really have no interest. I would, I would far rather just say, hey, we're all at fault. Now, granted, that's somewhat insensitive to say, hey, let's just call it even and say we're all at fault. However, there is this ability to say the issue, the issue, as we know American history, has been that this primary sin has been perpetrated against a people, and that can be repaired and restored. Now, how do we repair it and restore it? That's really the, the best question to ask. Is it through reparations? Is it through, I mean, what do we do? Do we take, how do you, how do you repair 400 years worth of of and probably, you know, listen, a lot of those, uh, a, lot of, a lot of equality is still being fought for and did not necessarily take effect after the Civil War. That stuff's been fought for up to current, right? And so... Still being fought for, absolutely. Yeah, up to current. And so my point is, is there is a way, I believe, and I know many people who understand what the Word of God says, believe... Jesus led a ministry of reconciliation. There's got to be a way, as we seek to follow Christ, that we see reconciliation, and not just within the church. Because I don't believe that the ministry of the church is just for the church, but in the communities that the church exists in, in the world, and in nations and places that may not even have churches in them, right? So let's talk about that for a second. How do we see these things being reconciled and repaired as we think within the context of Christ. You know, I uh, Jesus said it's kind of a powerful statement when you think about it. He said you cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say you cannot serve both God and other things. He right. specifically said money. I I I think deep in the and the fact that that racism is a sin issue, um, that means only God can fix it. Deeply embedded in racism is money, is wealth, is equity. Especially when you think about the fact that racism is everywhere. Yeah. And typically it favors a, a certain group, right? When it's systemic, it favors a certain group of people. And when you really break it down, it boils down to me. If it affects, if, if, I, if I start sharing with you 
then I I lose this. That's good. And so and so it really equity is the, is the is the heart of it. It's it's what makes me thrive and do good. And and if anything comes anywhere near that, I got a problem with that. And so I think I think at some point you will look wherever there is racism, there is a imbalance of of wealth. It's 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 not spread properly. It's not shared evenly, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? There 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 is no equal opportunity, so to speak, in 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 life. Right? I, I agree. I mean, wow. I, there's so, historical context for that in right. America, gentrification and all that. Right. That that stuff is you can see that. You and and I I agree with you. I think that this is a big deal. So I think I think addressing um you know beginning to talk and bring healing. We gotta talk about that. You know even in our local communities, like we gotta see like how are we living with one another, right? Um you know you I, I give an example in Rwanda. We know about Rwanda. The genocide took took place in Rwanda in 1993. Um over a million Hutus were killed in a matter of a couple of days. Literally over money it's what it broke down to these are the same people man same people but hey it was and so we're talking about blacks on black killing each other literally it was over money you know um over wealth equity possessions and so i think what ends up happening is is selfishness really is what it breaks down to right Mm -hmm. and i think i think when we begin to address that we can't talk about it outside of really being honest with ourselves and saying, how do I how do I make sure that my brother has the same opportunities that I have? Right. He might not have what I have, but he has the same opportunity as I have. I think that's where God says, prefer your brother as yourself. Yeah, that's, that's where, yes. you know, we start talking about that. So I think to me, that's something that we can we cannot neglect as we think about the healing and the restoration of 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 relationships, which is really the heart of racism. That's huge. I mm-hmm. like that. I think, man, that's that is so key. And one thing that you said that kind of ties to what Pastor Mark said was that um, itself. So, Pastor Mark, if I can rewind just a little bit, um, I think you said that. And I'm probably gonna butcher this, man. You said something along the lines of racism being um, it's all of our problem, right? Yeah. And you said how that can be offensive. And I think that can be offensive if I use that statement as a cop-out. Right. But if I use that statement as me saying, no, it's a me problem, and you saying it's a you problem, we're saying it's an all-of-us problem, then we can look at our brother as if, like, man, we look different, yep. but you my brother. And I know I have a problem. Um, I, I have an issue that may stop me from receiving you as my brother, but Jesus has to deal with that in me. Right. I'm, it's not my responsibility to point out the splinter in your eye. I, I got to get the log out of mine That's first. It. I love it, Jameson. Yeah. So that statement, that idea, is for me, it's really about I, I, have, I, I have to take the responsibility in my own life to take ownership. And if I really am following Christ, many times I have to take ownership of things that that I've never intentionally done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I was speaking with Jared last week, and I, uh, I said, Jared, I've done racist things. I, I'm certain I've said insensitive racist. I'm certain I've laughed at things I shouldn't have laughed at. I'm certain I thought things I shouldn't have thought and did things I shouldn't have did. And and the repentance, the acknowledgement, the recognition of that, and the repentance of that is how you deal with those things. Um, but but because of what it does, 
because of how it feels, we're so hesitant to take ownership of mm-hmm. it. And what I mean when I say that, Jameson, and and it fits exactly with what you just said, is this is a this is a issue. You know how in in the Word of God, what we see is we see there are three primary sins: pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. This is a primary sin. This is a sin that comes from pride of life, that is indicative of all men, all people struggle with this. The selfishness, the self-centeredness, this judgment of others, and and so ownership has to be universal. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the the debt of it is any less. Right. Like it can't be, it can't be a cop out. Like yeah. you said, oh, we're all guilty, right? Who did it? And, and in a classroom, no one raises their hand, so the teacher says, okay, you all have detention now. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about. Is, is recognizing that there are certain things that are innate because of sin and the nature of sin in us that have to be set before the Lord and they have to be dealt with by His blood. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that um, that's a good place to start for a long time. Now, I'm a 42 white male American, right? I'm like... <sighs> Like 40% I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. But um, my my point is, much of the issue is simply ignorance. It's just simply, I don't know what I don't know, right? I had a conversation with a lady in our church when George Floyd was murdered, and uh, she asked. I, she asked me. You know, I told her my my response to that because I I didn't know what to do, but my response to her was. I have black friends. I care about how they're doing and who they are. And and I need to do something about this. And she said, well, have you checked in with any of them? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. She said, have you asked them how they feel, how this has impacted their life? I said, no. And she said, well, you might want to reconsider whether or not you have black friends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. dude, it broke me. I was like, wait a minute. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And... And so I had to I had to come to a place where I recognized that, I owned it, and then I repented of it. Right? That there's no change without repentance. And so I think that some of this conversation really is a it starts in each of our hearts. Like you were saying, Jameson, this is something that I have to allow the Lord to work in me. When we think of um, the role it plays within the church. I can tell you, I think that the church has been fragmented largely due to this issue. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And we can't change systemic problems till we change personal problems. It is going to be very hard for the American church to advocate for change for groups of people without internalizing and repenting internally. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, I I think that... um, I, I see, as I read through the Gospels, what I see the Lord doing with his disciples is enlarging their circle. You see him send out the 72. You see him send out the 12. You see him send out the 100. You see him do these kind of things where he's starting to enlarge their circle. And I can't help but think that the Lord probably was intentional in the way he did it mm-hmm. and and paired people with people and and thought about how he was operating in this. And maybe that's where we begin, just with this willingness to every day say, Lord, 
it's not likely that what I see is going to be accurate, but it is very likely that what you see is accurate. And so I want to go by what you see, mm-hmm. and I want to engage people according to the way that you think of them, the way you see them, and the way that you love them. Um, this issue is not going away on its own. Time heals nothing. This issue is something that we, you know, you know where it says that Jesus gives authority to his followers, and he says the sins you forgive will be forgiven in heaven, and the sins you refuse to forgive will not be forgiven. Those sins are the sins in each of us. Mm-hmm. And the things that we allow him to speak to, allow him to deal with, and we walk away from. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think we're maybe doing that first step here and now, just beginning to have those conversations about it. Is there anything you guys want to add before we conclude? We've probably exceeded our time. Yeah, quick thing. I like how you brought up the disciples. And what's interesting about the group of disciples is that they all had different political opinions. And yeah. they all had different outlooks. Like you had Peter who was a zealot and hated the Roman government. And then you had Matthew who was a tax collector yeah. and worked for the Roman government. Yeah. And so never though did we see these that stop them from their mission. Yeah. And I think that's important as we walk through this process of not only a reconciliation but spreading the gospel. Mm. Is that it doesn't matter if you believe in one political organization or another or you believe one certain way or another about these topics that we're even speaking about now, mm. is that that can't get in the way of us spreading the gospel. Mm. Dude, that's a whole other podcast, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, but that's good, Jared. That's right on. So let me just end with this. If this, if this topic of racism, if it causes you to retract, if it causes you to be afraid, or if it makes you angry, it's time to pray and ask the Lord to reveal what might be there. The, the reason we feel certain ways about things that we don't know about, about people that we don't know yet, is usually connected to some hurts in our life that we've not allowed the Lord to heal. And so what I would say is, if this kind of conversation, and I, I know, I mean, when you, when you pick as a podcast topic racism, you're going to, you're going to get mixed reviews on it. But... Um, the truth is the truth. The truth is this, that all men are created in the image of God. That's right. That God, none, that God desires that none of them should perish. Yeah. And that he's chosen his church to go and reach those people, to love them, and to disciple them. Yeah. And so everything else we do in life falls under that umbrella. It falls under that primary mission. Amen. Thank you guys for joining. Amen. Uh, this is probably our last week on this topic of racism. Next week we'll jump into some other topics Lynn and I haven't quite decided which direction we're going to go yet but it's going to be interesting we look forward to uh, talking with you then thank you for joining us we would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic you can send us an email at reallife at visitlife.org to give us your feedback Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Foursquare Church in Decatur, Illinois we hope You have a great week and look forward to continuing our conversation next time.